Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which our risen Savior, our Good Shepherd, speaks to us is the Gospel today, John 10, verses 11 through 18. Please give your attention to verse 11 once again. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Your friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. How much would you do for your own children? Parents give of their time, their energy, their money. Think of the long nights a parent sits up with a sick child. Parent pays the bills as they come in for food, for clothing, for for the house and home, for braces, for insurance. Parents pray for their children, bringing their hopes as well as their worries of the future to the Lord. And yes, parents are even willing to sacrifice their life to help their child, to save their child. Now, How much would you be willing to do for a stranger's child? And I'm not talking about a foster child or an adoptive child. They become your own when you bring them in your home. But how much would you do for a child you had never met before and never probably will meet in this life at least? Oh, we might set aside a part of our charitable giving to help a needy child. We might give some of our time to help provide food or clothing or Sunday school material for them to learn about Jesus. But would you risk your livelihood? Would you put that child before your own? Would you sacrifice yourself for that stranger's child, leaving your own children as orphans? Of course not. Because as you well know, God has given you that responsibility as parents to care for your children as they are growing up. These are the gifts God has given. And yet that contrast between caring for your own children and caring for strangers, that contrast helps us understand what Jesus is getting at in the first part of the, uh, of the, the text here today as he talks about the hired hand. The sheep are strangers to this hired hand. He doesn't know them. They aren't his own. He doesn't care about them. And even that word hired hand can give us the wrong idea if we don't look at the context carefully. Notice notice that the shepherd never actually hires this man, does he? This man does not go out as an under-shepherd helping the good shepherd. He doesn't go out because he's been sent by the shepherd or because the sheep have been entrusted to him by the good shepherd? No. He's just in it for the money. He sees the sheep and he sees dollar signs. Cha-ching! What can he get for their, their wool, their skin, their meat? How can he fleece these sheep? He is a money grubber, a gold digger. He is a hireling. No wonder when he sees the wolf that he runs. Now look at Jesus. Look at the good shepherd. Look at his great love 
toward the sheep. Greater than even a mother's love for her dear baby pooing in her lap. Jesus. Jesus, the good shepherd, knows his sheep. And he doesn't love his sheep because of what kind of people or what kind of sheep they are. Sheep are dumb, dirty animals. But Jesus loves them because of who he is. He knows his sheep, even as the Father knows him and he knows the Father. He knows them from the very depths of his heart. He knows you, dear Christian. He knows you as his very own. He calls you by name, for you are his through faith in him. And look at what his love has done for you. As great as a parent's love is for a child, as great as the sacrifices a parent might make, it doesn't even begin to match what your good shepherd has done for you. He left the riches and the glories of heaven and came to this earth. He became poor without a place of his own, laid in a manger where sheep would feed, And that was just the beginning of his love. Notice how Jesus brings out the full extent of his shepherd love repeatedly in the text here as he again and again reminds us the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He has laid down his life for you, dear friend. He has laid down his life as the full payment for your sins The hireling ran away, sacrificing the sheep. But the good shepherd sacrificed himself for you, his sheep. But what good? What good is a dead shepherd? That's the key question that we sort of want to zero in on here today. What good is a dead shepherd? But before we address that head on, There's another thought that Jesus brings out in these words here when he begins to talk about the other sheep. You know, we began here today by talking about how parents love their own children, but Jesus talks about the other sheep as well. What's he referring to? Well, for us to to grasp that, we need to go back about 20 centuries before Christ to the days of Abraham. Remember how God promised Abraham? that he, his descendants would become a great nation and that through them the Savior would come to bring blessings for all people. Through Moses, the Lord brought Abraham's descendants out of slavery in Egypt and to the land he had promised their forefathers. And after a while, he raised up for these people, the Israelites, King David, to sit on the throne and from David, the Savior would come. Do you see how From the time of Abraham until the time of Jesus, God's saving plan centered around this one nation, the Israelites, the Jews. And so Jesus was born a Jew. His family and friends, the people he grew up with, his his fellow countrymen were all Jews, Israelites, descendants of Abraham. And so here, when Jesus talks about the other sheep, he is now looking beyond Abraham's bloodline. The other sheep are those who aren't blood descendants of Abraham. 
For Jesus wants to make it clear that he is the shepherd, not only for the Jews who would believe in him as the Messiah, but also for the believing Gentiles. He is the shepherd for all the sheep who hear his voice and follow him, no matter what nation, language, race, or group they may come from. He is the good shepherd for you and for me. And he lays down his life, not just for some of the sheep, but for all his sheep, no matter what their background. His sacrifice pays for all the sins of the world, including yours and mine. That's why he laid down his life. But that brings us back to that question, doesn't it? What good is a dead shepherd? And we'll get to that in a little bit, but before that, we need to step back and now and, and compare Jesus' attitude toward other sheep to our attitude. We see Jesus' attitude expressed here when he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus' love compels him. His voice earnestly and fervently calls out to these other sheep. He leads them into one flock, united in faith under one shepherd. Yes, Jesus longs for the salvation of all of his sheep. And notice that when he calls them other sheep, he reminds us that there is a a diversity here. A diversity of languages, diversity of of, of races and and, uh, nationalities, of social status, of incomes, of ages, and, and the like. But not a diversity of faith. All the sheep here follow the same shepherd the one good shepherd. All the sheep are united in faith, the one true faith, forming the holy Christian church, the communion of faith, the one, the communion of saints, the one flock that is found throughout the world wherever the shepherd's voice calls out from his word and sacraments. That's Jesus' attitude towards the other sheep. Now, what about you and me? I I think we all agree in principle that, yes, yes, people of all different sorts are people that Jesus wants to save. And it can be easy for us to, to live by that principle, especially when everyone around us looks pretty much the same as we do. And the... The biggest language difference is that some people may use the word ufta more than others, and the cultural divide is that some like lutefisk and others don't. But what becomes a challenge is when people that are quite different than us come in contact with us. And we can get that feeling deep down in our guts that I don't really want to be close to them. Now, for example, if we hear someone else speaking another language, Spanish, Korean, Chinese, or whatever, do we start, first of all, thinking, well, what are they doing speaking that language in America? Shouldn't they be speaking English? Does that push us back away from them? Or if we smell their 
foreign foods as that calls our nose to switch and we, we back away? Or when we see their, the way they, they dress, their, their, their clothing, does that make us think that they're trying to put themselves away from us? And it might not even be foreign clothing. It, sometimes this is just the difference between generations. And we look at them and we think that they are, are sloppy or that they are rude. Does their behavior at times make us want to distance ourselves? And does that match the attitude of Jesus here? Oh, I think at times we try to justify our attitude here and excuse it by saying, well, they weren't nice to me, they were rude, they were disrespectful. And sometimes we don't even realize that this attitude is so easily found in us and that's we really come in close contact with those that are different than we are. And maybe you're also thinking to yourself, but, but I can't help it. That's just my natural reaction. And yes, you, I think to a degree you're right. Our sinful nature that still lives within us sees those who are different and, and wants to distance ourselves. But the question for us to struggle with here is that despite that natural gut feeling we might have, how are we going to react to that feeling? Are we going to let that feeling control our behavior towards them or not? Are we going to let that feeling distance ourselves from them or or are we going to look at them through the eyes of the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ? Are we going to see them that as different as they may be from us in their behavior or their language or their attitudes, as different as they may be, they are people for whom the Good Shepherd died, just like you and me. We have that all in common, no matter how different we may be. Jesus died for the lost, for you and me and for them. Now, if they are not Christian already, of course, we can't expect them to act like Christians towards us. But isn't that an opportunity then to invite them to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, to welcome them, to, to maybe even share the good news with them so that the shepherd calls out to them through you? And if they are already Christian, do you see them as fellow sheep, part of that one flock, united in faith, people who you will be spending eternity with before the throne of our God? And do we treat them accordingly? As we examine our hearts and lives, we, we see that our love, our love is often shallow. We see that even among us as Christians, there can be that meanness, that indifference, that self-centeredness. And that's why we need this good shepherd who laid down his life to pay for all of our sins. We need our good shepherd. And what good news that is when he calls out to us here and says, I lay down my life for my sheep, for you, dear friends, for you. But that brings us back to that question again, doesn't it? What good is a dead shepherd? And, and let's finally now, now address that head on. We have Jesus 
answer to that question here. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Now, what good is a dead shepherd? Well, probably no good at all. But Jesus is not a dead shepherd, is he? Yes, he did certainly die. That was reality. They laid his lifeless corpse in that tomb. But he took up his life again. He rose from the dead on the third day. He is the living shepherd, not the dead shepherd. He is the good shepherd who lives forever and ever. This was the Father's plan of love to save you and me. He sent his Son, Jesus Christ, on that mission to lay down his life as the sacrifice, the only sacrifice that can turn God's anger away from us and pay the full price for all the sins of the world. And Jesus willingly came on that mission. He laid down his life of his own free will. The Roman soldiers, Pontius Pilate, the Jewish council, they didn't take Jesus' life away from him. He had the power and authority to lay it down, and that is what he did. And he had the power and authority to take it up again. How Easter declares that power. Jesus rose from the dead He is the living shepherd. Listen to the voice of your good shepherd, dear friends. Listen to the voice of the shepherd who laid down his life and took it up again. His voice doesn't call out to you from the great outdoors or from the inner chambers of your heart. His voice calls to you through his word and sacraments. Listen to his voice. Don't listen to the voices of those who twist his voice, who change his word, who who throw doubts or raise questions about the word of our God. Those are the hirelings through whom Satan seeks to scatter and seize the sheep with his lies and false doctrine. Listen to the voice of your shepherd who died for you and rose from the dead. He knows you, just as the Father knows him, and he knows the Father. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, he says. And as you think about those words of Jesus, what a goal that they give to us. What a purpose in life they hold before you and me. To grow and know Jesus, even as he knows us. To grow to know Jesus even as the Son knows the Father. Listen as you to the voice of your shepherd. That's how you grow to know him better and better. What good is a dead shepherd? Well, that's that's the wrong question to be asking. For Jesus is the living shepherd. He who died has risen and now lives forever and ever, and you, his sheep, can know him better and better. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.